What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads Show. Today we have a guest. We're going to be talking about helicopter parent. And here with me is Rob. Oh, thanks for the introduction, Sal. Say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. And John, who is our uh, guest. Hello. John, hello. welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So we're, we're going to talk about helicopter parents, but why don't you give us a little background about yourself? Uh, so being a dad, I have two kids. I have a nine-year-old and 11-year-old, 11-year-old girl, Ella. She's uh, a dancer and a beauty queen and all that loveliness. And uh, <laughs> my son is a nine-year-old uh, basketball uh, guru, loves to uh, ball it up. And uh, they're, they're, they're pretty amazing kids, all things considering. I'm married to lovely woman, Nicole, who uh, Sal knows, actually. And, um, you know, we, we live that little uh, four-corner life, uh, mother, father, daughter, and son. That's the perfect family to the, to, perfect to the American family. standards, right? Four. four. Because, when you go on, <laughs> because when you go on vacation for a family of five or greater, you're screwed. There's no such thing. So yes, and, and and your oldest daughter, your wife was at my house when her water broke. <laughs> oh yes, that is true. That is true. You, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you drove them to the hospital. Yes, we piled all, I think um, my daughter was shit, less, almost a year old. My, my oldest daughter was almost a year old and we piled into the car. And we drove all the way down to the hospital. Yeah. And I was teaching, I was in the middle of teaching class and uh, the school called me and they said, um, uh, your wife's having a baby. And I uh, said to everybody in the classroom, peace, we got to get out of here. I, I literally left. I ran right out of like my eighth period class and uh, hauled ass to the hospital. And now we're, we're here at the present moment. Uh, 11 years later. 11 years later, uh, you know, so maybe a young dad too, I guess, you know, 26 years old when I first had them. So, Damn. you know, uh, it's, it's interesting being a young dad. Um, because when you think about it, it, it's a catch 22. It's like, well, if I'm the older dad, then by the time these kids are living their best life, I, I'm like a pile of crap. And then there's a you know, the younger version where maybe I'm not quite uh, ill-equipped or prepared to deal with uh, the strenuous nature of being a father or mature enough at that level or at that time. Uh, I may still then, not be mature enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm happy that I did it. I really am because being where I am now, it's, it's awesome to see the kids at this age and be able to run around with them and be active with them and not be hovering over them, that's for sure, but uh, definitely be part of their lives. So I do want to ask you a question before we get into the helicopter parent. And I think with COVID, this is honestly something that's coming up a lot with parents and dads and moms, but you've changed career direction at least twice that I know of drastically <laughs> that, you know, how does that work? What, what's your mindset with that? Because I know coming out of COVID, a lot of people got laid off, right? I don't furloughed or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm sure people are reevaluating their career choices and, and their next steps. So what drove you to do what you're doing today? Um, and what drove you leaving teaching? Cause you were talking about teaching earlier. Yeah. Teaching was, um, I mean, and listen, now looking at it at this point, I'm happy I'm not doing it because if I was teaching amidst the world of COVID, I'd be pulling not, your hair out. Yeah. Whatever was left, pulling my beard out. <laughs> and um, I just, you reach a ceiling at a certain point. And uh, it just didn't do it for me anymore. I was really happy at when, it, when I was in it, but uh, I'm the kind of person who does change gears rather quickly. So after the teaching, it was opening the boutique training gym. And then after that, I opened the medical marijuana farm. And then now presently, I am the uh, team leader of Parlametric, uh, US team leader of Parlametric, which is a narrative analytic company that's uh, Sweden based. So um, quite a quite a jump. But I think at this point, my kids have become so used to it, that they're honestly numb to it. 
like when I say the words Maine, which is where the medical marijuana farm was, my wife and kids kind of just look at each other and go, oh, Maine. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, dad gone for three or four weeks and then coming home from a seven hour drive and picking them up, hugging them. They, they definitely saw the value of their father. My, my son actually spent a week up on the farm, surrounded by weed. Wow. So as far as, you know, how I feel about that, he was picking up a sledgehammer and just driving spikes into the ground and plucking leaves. And, you know, it was a garden. It was a giant garden. And I worked his ass like a mule. And uh, when his mother picked him up, because she was touring Maine with my daughter and her girlfriend, and she left him with me. And when I was done with him after a week, his eyes were just like, you know, sleeping in the middle of the wilderness with his dad on a weed farm. I'm sure he'll never forget it. And uh, when I dropped him off to his mother, he crawled into the car. And then about three weeks later, when I came home, you know, because I woke him up at five o'clock in the morning, every morning to work. We, we weren't there to play. So he goes, I said, what do you think about the farm? He goes, dad, wow, I got a new appreciation for you. I said, good. Awesome. <laughs> Don't ever question me again. Or I'll <laughs> <crap out> you. <laughs> so, you know, it's, that's where uh, it, it led to there. But I think that for my kids, they've seen me be able to, to adjust. So maybe being in a constant state of discomfort, COVID hasn't really affected me at all. You know, I was golfing, I was surfing, I was running around taking care of people. Uh, it, it didn't really bother me. And I think psychologically it probably helped my kids too, because I'm sure some kids have probably been a little screwed up, even adults with, with COVID. I mean, when I see somebody driving in a car with a mask, um, psychologically something's happened there. So, you know, that, that's one thing that, that children don't appreciate or, or get to see is the behind the scenes. Mm. You actually, you actually showed your son the behind the scenes of what you were actually doing and what it took to, to maintain what you were doing and, and to bring home, you know, or put food on the table. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of kids aren't privy to that or, or don't get to see what their mom and dads do. Like that's amazing. That's, that's a memory that'll stick for stick with him forever. Oh yeah. My, my kids, um, you know, they both have chores, uh, which they don't get paid for. You get paid living in the house. So. See that, that was a, that was a conversation that almost came up last night because my daughter, um, I gave her, I, I bought her a book, uh, how to take a hundred dollars to a million dollars and she's been oh, reading it. Cool. And she's been enjoying it. So she goes, um, can you give me a dollar or $2 a month? I said, what am I giving you $2 a month for? So my wife started to talk. I said, well, we're not even going there. I know exactly where you're going. You're not going to get paid to do chores in this house. Mm-hmm. We put food on the table. You will do chores and you will not get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, they're getting more than enough anyway these days. So at least we're. I got paid for, for chores when I was growing up, but I was also not asking for road bucks or whatever the hell it is every other week. Fortnite. Fortnite bucks. bucks. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't play that shit. I don't know. Whatever yeah. it is. So I think that's even more relative why they should do hands-on activities and, you know, be involved with that kind of stuff because they're already, the world is shifting in a direction where technology is going to be part of their everyday anyway. So to not allow your kids to interact with technology would be doing a disservice to them because I mean, even companies now are already using gamification to help teach their employees because the employees are so used to playing games now and moving forward. Imagine our kids in that realm, gamification is going to be a huge component for, you know, teaching uh, future employees for company XYZ. Never yeah. heard of that term, gamification. I mean, it, it goes along the lines of what Christine was saying about esports and the relevance in education and how it's becoming more prevalent and being treated as a true sport. And then what are, what are these collegiate athletes, you know, gamers who are athletes do after the fact because they've been put on such a high pedestal, but they can't compete professionally. So I, I think, you know, when we had a principal on three, four episodes ago, yeah, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, oh, beginning of February, <laughs> and she was talking about how you could use AI in games to help your kids learn. And it was really interesting. Um, it was things I, I didn't know. There was one AI where he go around the room, pop 
and collect the letters, I think. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So I actually downloaded those two did apps. You? I mean, it's really interesting stuff that she was talking about that I had no idea. Our, our school system doesn't use it. All right, yep. so let's, let's get back to helicopter parents, which we didn't even start on, but no, I don't think, at least I don't think you and I are helicopter parents. Johnny, are you a helicopter parent? Well, so it, it, it depends Maybe. on the age. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit, I was a helicopter parent when my kids were younger. And you, Just what's your first or all of them? No, all, all well. Because I feel so, like the first you may be. The first, the second, and <laughs> the third, you know. Trickle down. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, and, yes, yes and no. There's a story for that. But I felt that the oldest was watching over the middle and the youngest at the same time, and they were kind of in a group, and, and they would be okay. So, and thank God the one time I was actually there, I would go up on the jungle gym with my kids because there's a lot of things that can happen on a jungle gym. You know, the, the ramps, the, the ropes, the swing, whatever. Thank God I was there because these two assholes, much older than what my kids were, mm. like they were sprinting through, through the jungle gym. I had to pick my daughter up and, and get her out of the way or else they would have plowed through her. So it's time, it's instances like that where I, 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 I felt that the need for, to, to be a helicopter parent, but I, I don't think I'm too extreme. Like I'll let them go play. I'll, I'll of course um, uh, look through, look at, uh, inspect the area, see if there's, if there's anything that can injure them. Okay, don't go over there. You, <laughs> over there. you know what I'm saying? Good parenting. I like right. that. That is good fatherly advice right there. <laughs> I of course Stay away from shrap metal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sharp objects. <laughs> yep, yep. But yes, I, I'm guilty of of being a helicopter parent when they were much younger now i think they know not to stray when we're walking you stay in front of us but yes i'm guilty of being a helicopter parent when i was when they were younger i think maybe with the first but i i don't i don't think with the second my first is a little bit more independent and i don't think he really wants us to be helicopter parents but at the beginning we didn't you know we none of us know what the hell we're doing like I look at my brother, mm -hmm. he just had a baby, you know, six weeks ago and his first you know, one. Yeah. His first one. Wow. I gotta, I gotta, He's got to catch up. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, everything's like, Oh my God, I don't understand this. Blah, blah. And my wife's like, everyone goes through it. Every like, you know, she has acid reflux. His daughter has acid reflux. We went through that, you know, uh, my first, I think we tried three or four formulas before one actually took that was okay like before he just stopped vomiting. But I think like when they got a little bit older, I, I think we were less so. And our second, we're definitely not because whatever. He's like, uh, he's like a little brick shit house, but he's very sensitive. So like if something's wrong, he's going to come run over and, and ask us anyway or tell us. So mm. I'm not really worried about that. I don't know what you were Googling before, but plowing is not... <laughs> It's not what we're talking about. Yeah, yes, yes. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. So there's another term for a parent. So I just want, I'm looking up what the official definition of a helicopter parent is. So the official definition of a helicopter parent is a parent who takes an overprotective or excessive interest in the life of their child or children. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of let my kids do what they want to do, you know, to an extent. I'm not going to let him run around the house with a scissor because, you know, it's just not the right thing to do. I found when they were younger, when I was, I guess, hovering over them when they were playing or whatever they were doing, I found a lot of teaching moments that, hey, don't do that because that's going to hurt. Or, hey, don't slide your hand down that piece of wood because you're going to get a bunch of splinters and it's going to hurt. So I don't necessarily think that that this definition of a helicopter parent explains what I was doing when they were younger, but John, I think I'd like to hear your take on, on this. You know, I was a public school teacher for 10 years. So I had plenty of killed kids under my belt as far as dealing with personalities before I had children of my own. So I definitely was, I think, prepared to a degree from, you know, working with kids before even being a parent. But 
I mean, when, even when I was a teacher, if I had a kid who was kind of out of control or just didn't do well, you know, parents come in, well, you know, you're his teacher. I was like, yeah. And you have him for the other 23 hours out of the day. <laughs> so who's had more of an effect on this kid's behavior, me or you? Let's think <laughs> about that. Okay. Cause you have them 365 days a year, 20, I get them for an hour. And by the way, you've been conditioning them for the last 14 years of their lives. You've been Pavlovianly conditioning them, <laughs> ringing the bell and watching them salviate like fools. So if you're really gonna spin this one, I really wanna hear how you do it. Cause I'm not gonna give you a leg to stand on. And, it was, and, and once I realized that, because from seeing parents and I worked in a district where there were no parents, I worked in an African-American, Hispanic, Latino, socioeconomic, lowest socioeconomic uh, situation where it wasn't that the parents were necessarily bad or good. It was just that they were both working two jobs or one wasn't there or it was you, you were more of a parent. And then when I went into a very camp cupcake, white bread, you know, <laughs> you know, it, camp it was middle, cupcake. <laughs> yeah, it was Middletown. It was a white, you know, middle which no pun intended is the most middle, you know, middle income, middle, 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 middle town, South, very white, uh, you know, affluent area, Navasink river. Every, and those parents were up every kid's ass. And then it became like, well, why does my son have a B minus, you know, as opposed to like, can I even get your parent on the phone right now? Or I might have to get a translator to get your parent, which I'm not making. I'm just saying that's what I was dealing with. Right. You were in so when you see those two large disparities and then you have kids of your own and you've seen the whole gauntlet in between, it really gives you a finer picture on what are the battles that you want to choose. I happen to believe that me being a human being, I am a blip in the existence of this whole grand scheme of thing. So there is no worldly knowledge that I will be able to spew out of my mouth that the universe would not be able to deliver better than me. So like when my kid, like my daughter was running around the house, like she's got this thing with socks running around the house. Yo, you got a death wish, it's on you kid. <laughs> so the other day when she, you know, this was just before, she's running down, she's skipping down the stairs and her, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't care, whatever, I told you not to do that. And my wife was like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, she just said she's fine. So why are you exacerbating the issue right now? Because I'm pretty sure she's okay. You know, like, do we have full mobility in the elbow? I remember <laughs> when she was little, like four or five years old, I had a sports car, like an Audi TT. I opened the trunk. Never forget this. She put her hand in the trunk and it was like a hatchback. So she was sitting in the back. It was just a two-seater and then the little seats in the back. And she put her hand up and I slammed the trunk Oh, right here. I'm like, what is this kid crying about? What are you crying about? And all of a sudden, I'm like, why isn't this trunk not closing? And I open the door and she's like, I'm like, holy shit, I crushed your head in the door. I'm like, this fucking broke her fingers, it's bangled. I remember that and I just remember freaking out and realizing, you know, after that, there was like rub, you know, there's like that foam section. And her hands were so small at the time that they didn't get crushed. They, the foam actually like, impacted it so she was okay and then after that i was like man you, you really can't freak out about this stuff anymore so uh, you know after you know all the major incidents that they've had falling down and this and that and all that stuff of course when they're three years old you'd be a shitty parent if you didn't say like hey put the knife down <laughs> you know i i get that oh I, I totally but at a certain extent I mean, from what I've experienced from seeing kids and I, and I taught high school, I taught college also because I was an adjunct professor. So, but, and then just seeing just the way that they interact on a daily basis, uh, the kids that performed the best were the ones that were the most autonomous. The ones that didn't need me to go make a call to mommy or daddy to get something done. They knew that if they didn't get it done, mommy and daddy would just shove their foot up their ass. And that was all they needed for their intrinsic motivation. So, you know, uh, to me, um, I was also, we never, I told Rob this before, we never put any safety locks on the kitchen cabinets. I don't know. We just never did. See, my brother was like that. We, we safed off everything. We safed okay. off the stairs. Yeah, we had gates. I mean, my, my brother was like that. He, he had nothing. I don't know gates. why. I'm just a firm believer. If my kids are anything like me mentally, which is, 
tell me not to push the red button and I'm going to fucking stick my foot so far up the red button's ass that the red button is going to be hit time and time again. So I'm not going to say to my kids, don't do this because, you know, I just know if their personality is anything like me, it's just going to turn them on. You know, was it Puccino saying the devil's advocate? Like, look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Yep. Taste, but don't swallow. It's like, it's the oldest thing in the book. If you're going to tell someone don't push the envelope, it's just human nature to do it. It's, it's you're challenging them. In essence, you're giving them a challenge. Like you said, don't push the red button. What are they going to do? They're going to stare at that red button and they're going to start thinking, what happens if I push the red button? Yeah, Should, like, maybe just know, once. You know, maybe even being like a dad, like the whole thing with a daughter, you know, like, oh, boys and this and that. Listen, if you scare the crap out of your daughter to the point where she doesn't want to come to you about anything, you're going to be hearing stories about your daughter that you wish that you never heard, okay? Because you're going to scare. She's never going to want to come to you. She's going to be like, I can't tell my dad that I like went on a date or this or that or the other thing. Like, do you think your daughter's never going to go on a date? Do you want her to be living with you for the rest of your life, sitting in your basement until she's 50 <laughs> years old, like blowing up? Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Of course, there's going to be a point when you get in there. I mean, and if, and if you're not on that pulse, you're going to fall behind because of the, with the advent of, the ability to go on YouTube and just access every little adult thing that's out there, you might as well be the first one to pass the torch to them before they, you know, they go out there and just see all that crap anyway. I mean, don't even get them started with cannabis. So, so touching on you, so touching on YouTube, do you limit or do you block YouTube for your kids? I don't block it. No, I can't. It's, you know, I don't block it. And I've, I've never had a, I mean, at least we're not at that point yet, but I'm sure they'll, They'll, they'll peruse their way along somewhere so I, into the net. But well, friends of ours, a mutual friend of ours, uh, um, he told me that he got a, because he, he created a list for his router of all terms. And, you know, when there's, a, when a certain term is, is hit, he gets pinged. So a certain term and website was hit and he got pinged. And one of his kids was on a website. Right. So I, I have that. I've never been pinged. You know, we, we, we have the conversations. We kind of tiptoe around the, the, the topic with our kids. Now, my kids are 9, 10, and 11, soon to be uh, 9, 10, and 12. So we, we tiptoe around it, but we give them just enough knowledge to, 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 to get them by and to, to, to satisfy their curiosity. You know, we, we talk, which we, we kind of sort of talked about the birds and the bees, you know, so they they kind of know how it happens. I know my daughter knows how it happens because her fucking friend said something because her friend who is like the youngest one and her older brother is like in college. So this girl, you know, she's the perfect, you know, the one that comes over and pretends like, you know, she's the most immature little bubbly thing in the world but then when she goes upstairs in the room with your daughter she's talking about having sex Yo. Right? you know like one of those wow yeah I, I smelled it from a mile away i'm a teacher you don't think i pick up on this shit <laughs> i said well, you know well you know nolan told me uh you know this and the other thing i said well nolan aren't you just an educated little doll aren't you <laughs> And then she'll come, you know, and then this is the same kid that'll come downstairs and play, you know, Miss Innocent. And I'm not playing that. Then that's when you educate your daughter or your son and you say, you got to surround yourself with the right people. It's not about this kid said sex. It's the fact that, you know, she plays two roles. Anybody who can flip like that and play one role in front of your parents one way and then be a little something, something else in your room the other way has nothing to do with being sex. Has to do with the reason that she's a little creep. I don't want you to be around her. Why do you want to be around creeps? I mean, if you're going to, you know, you're, you want your kids to be successful, don't let them be surrounded by sleaze bags instead of worrying about, you know, uh, Pornhub or whatever. You know, That's another reason why I want to have the conversation with my kids now or kind of tiptoe around the, the conversation, give them enough information for them to satisfy their curiosity because I don't want them to find out from their friends. So, and then all of a sudden curiosity, you know. Yeah, but what age is that? So is that your oldest, your middle, your youngest? They all got the conversation. So. Oh, that's awesome. So you're the parent who, who beat everyone else to the punch. Yes. But you won't hear my kids talk about it. Yeah, I just don't think my... I don't, I don't think they will. 
you know, that's the thing. If you don't make it a thing, then it's not a thing. Like I have, I mean, I just told you, I didn't, I didn't medical marijuana farm. I have a cannabis consulting business. So yeah, do I have a jar? And you know what? It's recreationally legal in New Jersey. So suck it. And guess what? It's right there. And why does it, it have hairs up, on it? It why does it have hairs on it? Because it's good. That's why. And it's covered in dust. And you know, it sits on my desk every day next to my grinder, my paper on my little pad. My kids walk by it like it's not even nothing. Why? Because it is nothing. And if I go and I sit outside and I go behind my shed, like a little crackhead sitting there, they're going to be like, that. why are you doing that? It's freaking weird. Why? You know, like, that's weird. Me going behind the shed, like trying to hit a one hitter, hiding weed from my kids for the rest of their life. Like, what? What are you talking so about? When, so we didn't talk about this, but I've known you since, since you were a little kid, right? I know <laughs> yeah. you and Sal knew each other uh, when, when obviously you were more grown up, but I've known you since a little kid. Yep. I remember our parents all have the same anniversary, right? Isn't that yep. the case? And Cam, so, Rob, Camlin, your parents and my parents. So when we, when I was a kid, my parents didn't drink in the house. I don't. Did your parents drink in the house? Dude, my dad plays the guitar at church. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know. I know your dad plays the guitar at church. I've seen him every day. So but straight I, edge. Yeah. So so the funny thing is, my parents didn't drink at all in the house. Now as an adult. I see him drinking all the time. My dad, every, every meal he's having a glass of wine. I'm like, what the hell happened? So I, I agree with you on that. Like the more transparent, the more you educate your kids on, you know, you know, everything that's out there, the better off they're going to be to make the right decisions in, in their life. But they're going to get into that space anyway, yes. eventually. Right. Yeah. And, I, and the last thing you want them to be is feel like overwhelmed. Yeah. And the more I, they're I remember, like aware. Yeah. The only the only thing I would say in growing up and living in the town we grew up in is that you kind of know the spots for the most part, just, you know, you know, the spots where they, we used to be able to hide. Now they're, most of them are built up with, with houses at this point because the farms yeah. all got sold, yep. but there's still a couple spots that are out there that we used to go to that are available for, for the kids to go to. But I think at the end of the day, it's, they're going to go to somebody's house. It's not going to be in, in the woods or HCA park or something like that. Like it's going to be at some other kid's house or at something like a, a teen dance club, which I don't even know if there is one anymore. <laughs> I don't uh, think those there exist. There used to be two of them. There are facades down. Is it facades down yeah. There? Facades up yeah. in upstate New York yeah. and then dancing in uh, Palisades park or Cliffside park. Wow. Or whatever it was. wow. You guys are dads. We're all dads <laughs> right now. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for, for my, you know, and you know, listen, I'm sitting in a backyard at my parents' house and we're all joking because John is now a weed farmer and blah, blah, blah. And now all my family members want to start telling me stories. Oh, do you know that your uncle and me, we actually paid for our wedding furniture first by selling pot. My aunt <laughs> is telling me this. What? Hold on a second. She goes, you know, your father was the craziest out of all. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Well, well, it only took three other validations from other people at the party to. Before you believed it? Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, you know, and I'll tell you something else, too. I remember when I was I had um, I got a DWI. Right? And instead of calling my dad, because I was like. Um, was my dad's gonna fucking kill me. I'd rather take a risk driving home drunk than calling my dad on the side of the road being like, Dad, you gotta pick me up, drive me home or whatever. Like it would be DWI. Now, I find out, my dad says to me, you know, you should have just called me. I, I had a DWI. Oh my God. <laughs> what the fuck? When, <laughs> when, when are we gonna be transparent? When, and now finally at this point, like I remember one time we were upstate New York and my parents, we had like a house in upstate New York up in the woods. And I'm walking in the woods with my dad. At this point, I'm already smoking weed, right? So we're, we're walking in the woods. I'm like 17 or whatever. I pull out I pull out a J and I just spark it, like right in front of him. He's like looking at me. He's like, what is that? Is that cigarette or something? I'm like, no, it's weed. You want some? He's like, no. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I just kept smoking it, whatever. Nothing, never thought of it. And then, you know, years later, I found out the guy's, you know, 
the biggest pothead. Puffing the cheap and why do I know you play the guitar in church? Because <laughs> you were playing the guitar stoned off your ass when you were 20 years old. You should have just told me that in the first place. It wouldn't have been a big deal. You know what I mean? And that's the stats where for me, I look where I am with my kids. Of course, do I have to tell them every little thing? No, but I can tell you this. I've done everything under the sun. So if you think you're going to flip shit on me, you might as well save yourself the time and me the time and just be honest with me because I don't care. I, I would be pissed if you weren't honest with me. I don't care if you do this or you do that. Do whatever the hell you want to do that makes you happy, but keep me in the loop. So at least I can give you <laughs> some kind of advice and say, that's probably a really dumb idea, but good luck with that. You know, thanks for sharing. I wish you the best with that. And that's the kind of relationship that I want with my kids. I don't want my kids to be afraid of me. I don't want them to run away. I think that's the big thing is I don't want my kids to be afraid of me. I think when they're younger, I think it's important that, you know, you kind of lay in the discipline, not, and I'm not saying hit your kids, but I'm saying like build a guardrails around their life. Like, Hey, school is important. You know, like the people you surround yourself are important just to isolate yourself with one friend, like, you know, life lessons, but at the same point, I'm not saying, Hey, I want to be your best friend, but I don't want that stereotypical dad son relationship that kind of was imparted to us when we were kids. Right. I want to be closer with my kids. I want to have a relationship with them, not only now, but I want like, you know, 20 years from now, I want them to call me and be like, Hey dad, you want to have a beer? You want to have a bourbon? I'm going to come over hang out. We'll smoke a cigar. Awesome. Let's do it. Like I, I remember <laughs> this is funny. I smoked. So from probably the, I smoked for all my 20s, right? I smoked cigarettes. My brother also smoked. I never smoked in front of my parents, ever, ever, right? My brother, up until, I guess, probably two months ago, smoked cigarettes. He smoked in front of my dad all the time. Like, he was just, he didn't care. He had your philosophy. He's like, I don't give a shit. He already knows. Like, what does it matter? Like, what is he going to say? Yeah, but he's an adult by then, though. I mean... I never, ever. I was 30 and I still didn't smoke. I mean, I, I, I never, actually, I shouldn't say I never smoked cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes here and there years ago, but I smoked cigar. I smoked cigar with my pops. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's maybe, uh, it could be, to me, there's, it's very important to keep an open line of communication. It's important in business. It's important in everything. So why would you, you know, why would you change that? Agree. And, and I don't want to, and I 100% agree with you. And I don't think, we want to cut off that communication to our kids because that's, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be your lifeblood at, at the end of the day. It's, you know, they're always going to need you in some regards. Like if you think back, like, you know, you, at least for me, like I'll hit up my dad and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? You know, I got a new job offer. You know, what, what's your thoughts on it? Hey, I want to, <laughs> I want to buy apples down one twenty one. What do you think? I'm already buying it. Like, you always have that relationship. But for me, I went through, so my parents got divorced, John, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like 10 years ago now we've been married. I remember my mom. So right around when I got married, my parents got divorced. Me and my dad fell on pretty hard times because I took it pretty rough and I close with my mom. And to be honest, I had to fight back to get that relationship with my dad. Right. I never want my son to have to worry about that. Like, no matter what happens, I want him to feel like, hey, we got this relationship. Me and him, I mean, I have two boys. You know, that that's the type of relationship we have. It's not just father-son. It's like good friends too, so. And, and I, I agree, it's important as our kids grow that they are not afraid of, of us, the dads, because... You want them As to be able to, the bourbon. <laughs> you want them to be able to to come and say, "Hey, uh, we did this. Sorry, yes, we realize after the fact it was stupid." Or, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think?" And that's when you say, "Hey, you know, like you said, it's the, I don't think it's a great idea, but yeah. if you want to give it a shot, go ahead. Let me know how you make out." I think the kids that are the, the parents that are going to have a struggle are the ones that had the COVID babies, you know, the, the ones that are, you know, because there was so much, I, I personally feel like COVID was more damaging in the psychological effects than the physiological effects with the kids, with everybody, yeah, psychologically, I agree, you know, and so now you're a parent, you're young, you're already apprehensive about being a new parent. And now you're 
amidst COVID. And so like everybody's Lysoling everything and, and, you know, they're Lysoling their children and putting them in a bubble. And then, you know, these kids, you know, some of them, they see their family, but they're seeing their family's face with a mask. It's like, I've seen grandpa 45 times. I don't know if he has a palate. (laughs) I don't know if he has a cleft palate or not. I don't know if he's missing teeth. I, I don't know anything. And, and so like, it's interesting to see. And then, and then of course the hyper connection, you know, you go and you, you sit at a table. Like when we go out to dinner, my kids aren't allowed to, even at regular dinner at home, you're not pulling out a, a phone. I'll nope. throw that thing across the room. Yep. I and I, at a restaurant, even more so. But I see kids, you know, there's parents out. Isn't, isn't Timmy so well behaved? Why? Because he's got a fucking uh, electronic pacifier in his face. Because you're sitting there on YouTube, like any monkey can sit there and just swipe all day long. Your kid's not well behaved. You just put them in front of a bug zapper. That's all you did. And they're sitting there just going towards the blue light. And... John, John, I went, I took my, my family out to dinner one time. One time, never again. <laughs> well, yes, yes, one time. So caddy corner to where we were sitting, there was a family of six, uh, two parents and, and four kids. And I shit you not. They sat, you know, they got situated. They sat down. Every single fucking person pulled out an iPad, including the parents. Yeah. They sat there and stared at the fucking iPads. I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, is, is this, is this a joke? I, I said, maybe the menus on, on an iPad. Said, <laughs> our, our menus are freaking paper in front of us. That's, right. that's absolutely absurd. No conversation whatsoever. They, they ordered their food. They went back to their iPad. iPads went down when the food came. I yeah. said, are you fucking kidding me? No way. Where, yeah. Where's the conversation? Where's no. the, hey, Jimmy, how was your day? Hey, Felicia, you know, what What did you do today? Felicia, where are you? I, I was going to turn that into a joke. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> lobster. So he's like, <laughs> so like, you know, it's just, to me, it's a, it's, it's more of like, listen, you know, if they're not going to uh, at least be engaged, if you don't engage them from a young age, by the time they reach the age of being independent and being on their own, they'll have no value in you. If you don't value your kids, they see no value in you. I mean, it's clearly as clear as day is that. And the beautiful thing with kids is like, you know, being a parent, you could be a pretty horrible, shitty parent. And it's something about just being the biological parent of that child, that that child will almost instinctually always love you, even if you're a flying piece of shit. <laughs> and in, and then on top, you know, it's, it's, it's really then where you have to like, look at it in a more uh, true sense and, and say to yourself, you know, what are the things that I didn't like about growing up in the way that I was raised? What are the things that I did like? And then how do I want to make my own version of that and allow that to then lead to a better life for my children? And everybody has their own way. You know, one plus three is four, but so is two plus two. So every kid is different. Every family is different. So the way that, you know, uh, people can approach that. But at the end of the day, as long as uh, responsible citizens of the world come out as the final product, then... I don't really think the method is necessarily important as much as, you know, um, the outcome. Uh, well, we, we've discussed this in past uh, podcasts and episodes. It, a, new, a, a, new, a new parent, a new father, a new mother, it's all trial and error. It's, you can read a thousand books, a thousand books to tell you to do something totally different. It's what works for you. Mm-hmm. It's, how you, what system you develop, what groove you get into with your child that works, you know? Okay. Maybe the number one book that everybody buys before as, as a, before being a, you know, leading up to being a parent is what to expect when expecting. Mm. Did you buy that? I'm pretty sure someone probably gave it to me. Your brother-in-law gave it to you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you know, there you go. That's your next rad dad that you need on this show. But, but, but that's that's the book that everybody bought. And to me, that was just a guideline. Hey, maybe you can expect this. Maybe you can expect that. Was it to the T? Some people expect it to be the t- to the T of what that book said. 
And, and if it's not, they lose their mind. People aren't open to, okay, it's, it's just somebody's opinion that wrote this book or somebody's experience. And this is what they experienced. You know, yes, you can talk to 500 doctors, 500 doctors will tell you 500 different things. I, I think also at the end of the day, it's part of like the, the, the hovering, the helicopter parent that we, we want to be in control. We want to feel like we have control. And in a world where things are extremely tumultuous now in 2020, 2021, there's that anxiety of wanting to be in control to feel like the universe isn't spiraling out of control. And as a parent, you, you come to a point when you realize you don't have control. What you do have control over is the way that you react to the situations that occur. But yeah. those situations will come up nonetheless. And the way that you handle yourself in those situations is going to predict the outcome of how your relationship will be molded with your child in the future. And so uh, it's really not so much about, uh, you know, the actions. It's more of about the reaction of how you handle that, because with the class and, and the way that you can do that, the lesson in and of itself is then your children learn that, you know, I have to be able to handle these situations just like my parents did, right. that they were able to you know, get through that. And um, in that hyper connected world, you know, we're always plugged in. Uh, I think that it's very valuable and very important to be able to um, give our kids that freedom because I think they'll trust us even more um, because to, to, to realize it at a certain point, they're going to leave us. It's just yes. inevitable. You know, and the sooner you can kind of like accept that as a, as a thing, and maybe you're not going to accept it immediately and be like, all right, you're 12 years old, get the hell out of the house and get a job. No, it's more of, I've already kind of like willingly accepted in small little micro doses of the, in, the inevitable, which is my daughter will one day be grown up and be doing things. My, my son will one day be grown up and be doing things. And if I can do that on a small level and say, hey, you know, I mean, my son was almost late for basketball before. Why? My wife's like, where's your son? I'm like, I don't know. He's fucking gallivanting around the neighborhood, riding on his bicycle like a kid should, you know? And I just swung by the park and there he was. He was hanging out with his friends on the park, you know? And, and I picked him up. I mean, maybe that makes me a crazy dad. My wife's like, you know, you, you know, you're hearing about all these people that are getting abducted. I'm like, listen, stop. <laughs> Kidnapping has not gone up, Okay technology has just allowed us to see it that it is present okay but kidnapping has existed since the beginning of time this is not a, a new fucking no. revelation okay it's not like there's a new influx of fucking child kidnappers that are coming out no you're just always on you know manalapan patch or you know housewives of new jersey and you're getting <laughs> uh, just uh just steamrolled with all kinds of fucking daily nonsense shit. And it's, and it, you know, it gives, that's what creates fear for parents as well. Yep. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, oh, the world's changed. It's different. It's like, it's the same world. The only thing now is that there's a virtual layer over it. Yeah. We have it. We have the news at our fingertips. Yeah. And, and that could be a very damaging and crippling thing for people and especially parents, because now you're looking at it. And look, imagine being a kid, dude. When we were kids, we didn't have YouTube. Imagine being a kid, the amount of inundation of information that they could have access to, how they could be aware of global events. Like my daughter said to me, dad, oh my God, do you know that there's bees coming from fucking Japan with giant bees that could kill us? And they're in Washington state right now? I'm like, Killer bees. what do you want me to do? I don't know what to tell you about that. You know, I mean, if I read it in a book, I would have been like, oh, wow, cool. Killer bees in Japan. I, I saw it in my Encyclopedia Britannica. No, now she sees a YouTube video of a giant fucking hornet with a, with a, with a friggin' talon-like needle coming in and she just visualizes it. It's like, that thing has my name on it, you know? <laughs> and it's coming to get me. And that's a, you know, it, 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 it really is, is crazy with the video games too. But I think it's like you guys asked before, do you, to do it i mean i don't i don't necessarily put restrictions um i mean they have the child basic child restriction like whatever 13 and below kind of stuff but i kind of limit them more on their hours so like you know you'll get an hour during the day you know other I mean, you're already on school so much so the fact that my kid my son is riding around his bicycle and getting lost in the neighborhood for three hours 
makes me much happier than he's getting lost in the world of YouTube shit for three hours, turning his brain into absolute mush, you know? So uh, my only, my only thing about hands-off parenting is making sure that these kids go outside for at least some amount of time. Like I think my, my boys could sit in front of like an iPad or, or video games all day. Anybody could. Yeah. So my thing is my only counter to that is making sure they go outside and do something. I don't care what they do. They could dig a hole and they do, they dig holes in my backyard. So when I, when I'm long, when I'm on the lawn, they think it's hysterical. I'm like, you're, you're not funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, dad's foot goes in the lawnmower and I'm like, thanks guys. I just rolled my ankle again. Yeah. It's great. So, so before Rob said, you know, he, he was, he was breaking my chops about what I was looking up about plowing. So there's a, there's another type of parent. And oh boy. yes, it's called bulldozer, snowplow, or lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents. Yes. So they are grownups who try to mow down obstacles in their children's way uh, to make their lives easier and help them succeed. To go. me, that's an injustice. To, to me, you got to fall. You got to fail, you know, <laughs> before you succeed. You got to know what it feels like to skin your knee. So, so I got to, I got to talk about this. So my older guy's doing snowboarding, right? I, I can't snowboard for worth a damn. I ski, right? Mm-hmm. So we go half, so we're at Camp Call, right? In Mawa, small mountain. Love it. We go, we go halfway up to, to the midpoint yep. and we go down. First time he flies down. He doesn't know how to stop. So he's going straight. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be bad at some point. <laughs> so the second time I'm like, all right, you got to try to slap and slow down. He must have fell. And some of the, like the craziest wipeouts I've ever seen on a snowboard and just ate it face first twisting. Like I was like, that has to hurt. So like I ski up to him and I was like, Hey, how you doing? He's hysterically crying. I was like, get your ass up, get back on that, on the ski lift. We're going to do it again. And he's like, Dude, I don't want to do it. I'm like, it's not, it's not that you fell. That's not the problem. It's if you fail, you have to, it's not the fact you fail, but how you pick yourself up after the fact. And that's like, and I keep telling him that I'm like, so he went up, did it again. He fell again, but he goes, all right. So he makes it down another time. He goes, I think I've had enough. I was like, (laughs) all right, that's fine. Yeah. 10 times. You don't want to like do it, but he went again this week and they taught him how to like stop. And with, with snowboard is a little bit different. You have to kick back. If you're already, you're kicking back your left foot. it's heel and toe yeah it's different than skiing so much different so i you know i was glad he learned he's like i got my confidence back i was like perfect but the fact he went again shows a little bit about his character which is great yeah as long as you uh just support them in whatever they do then uh you know um the rest will fall into place not everything like not like hey dad i'm taking this scissor and i'm gonna run around the house and see See yeah, I mean, if your kid, you know, at this point, if my son says that shit to me at nine years old, I've already, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd run around, have a great day. See you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not going to fight you on this, man. The universe will teach you no matter what. It's going to teach you. It will resonate. The, the lessons that the universe teaches us, like failure, resonate with us. So there's, that's why what I was saying before, like, there's no words that I could say or yell at my child like to the point that when they feel a moment within themselves where they've truly failed and it had nothing to do with me, it was just straight out. The universe put you in a situation and you fucking failed. That moment when the universe speaks to you and says, you failed, (laughs) that is more powerful than anything that me as an individual person who is just a blip in the radar of existence could ever say to you that could resonate with you and by being that lawnmower and never allowing you to run through the weeds and fucking eat the shit by the time dude you're, you're gonna set yourself up for failure Absolutely. you as a parent are never gonna retire because your child is gonna be a fucking freeloader and they're gonna live in your basement and they're not gonna get married because no one's gonna want to be with them because they can't even take care of themselves and you're going to be like 55 years old eating chips next to them on watching some kind of crazy television show of whatever's out of that. Oh, Hallmark you know? Channel. Yeah, some crazy crap. And it's much harder. And the other thing is it's easier to say yes than it is to say no. And that's the other thing. Like, 
there's those points where endless so you all have points where eventually you know maybe oh fine yes leave me the fuck alone and it's like you pick and choose your battles with that but i think you know at least with my kids they they never they always know that the answer is going to probably 90 percent be no so you uh, ask my kids what the number one answer in my house is no. <laughs> they're gonna tell you it's no, it's no. <laughs> no. but you're preparing them for the real world because when it's they not always yes real, dude how often is it yes in the real world anyway right it's a lot of no's before it's a it's a maybe right you know and if you live this life where your parents are either hovering over you or plowing shit in front of you or doing both then when it comes to the point where your boss says like yeah you kind of suck at what you do you break and you crumble like a little piece of shit because you've never been able to deal with anything because your parents have dealt with everything for you oh you know oh i got to see in this class oh well i'm going to go in and i'm going to chew the teacher an asshole what, what are you proving in that situation you're proving absolutely nothing you know what are you going to do file you know i know there's parents right now that are paying disturbing they're paying um basically people to write out their kids college applications so they're not guidance counselors they don't work for the school they are independently hired people that are being contracted by people who have money who want to send their kids to nice schools and they're sending these kids to the nice school and the kids not even filling out the application themselves they're paying the person several thousand three thousand dollars to fill out an application for the kid now, what is this kid going to do when they go off to school? I mean, these, this is another reason why I, I'm not going to send my kids to college. Honey, you want to go to college? You better be a fucking doctor <laughs> or you better be a lawyer or you better be something because, you know, education is also changing drastically. As, as did, well. you, did you go to college, John? I did, but I mean, I had a full ride. So, you know, too bad. And then for my master's, uh, I... Um, uh, I had a partial because I was I helped out with the tennis program there. John, and, John, and John. Just focus, bro. Stop rolling your joints. Just focus. I am focusing. <laughs> I do focus. I do focus on his nightcap. <laughs> My nightcap. Um, so, yeah, but I made use of it also, too. I, I never uh, – my dad said, if you're going to college, dude, you, you, you can't fuck around. This is not a joke. So – you know, I was like always in class. I did really well. I didn't make, a, I didn't really, I mean, I, we, you know, you party like whatever, but I wasn't the guy who didn't show up to class. I always showed up to class. I, I had really great scores, better than I had in high school because I wanted to be there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I wanted I, to be there, but there, <laughs> there, was, there were times when your body was there, but your mind was not. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. Sure I mean, was, uh... again, is there is there value in it but I, I i about the networking end of it but with everything being connected through the internet and, and things of this nature and how I, I, there's 20 year old kids that don't have a high school that don't have a college degree that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a, a fucking year um you know starting doing social media business. accounts <laughs> no no but just starting like online businesses yeah. and, and and things of that nature the game has changed the traditional methods of how we lived our lives and how we are you know being professionals is not going to be the way the world that's going to be for our kids. You know how I don't see kids. Um, I see people shifting jobs more and more in the future. I, I see jobs changing very rapidly because of technology. Yeah. I'm actually so, curious what, what that's going to uh, unveil. And I also think that you know, I could do a whole episode on this, but like the whole collegiate program has to change at some point. Uh, they should be putting more, they should be putting more trade schools because more and more people don't even know how to screw a fucking light bulb. So I think there, there's great value in the trade schools. They should come back out um, because not everybody should go to college. It's clearly at this point now because so many people went to college and wasted their college degrees. They could have either joined the workforce. Uh, I mean, look, at, we're going to have the college bubble coming next, the student loan bubble. How many people went off and spent, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and they don't even—they're still paying their loans off, you know. That's, and then you're gonna—I'm, you're gonna tell me as your father, I'm gonna co-sign on a loan for that? Yeah, okay, go walk, go walk, okay. And when you go for a walk, walk some more because it ain't happening. I'm not putting my name on that. Sorry, 
I, I think they sh- I think they screwed up by taking the shop classes and home economics classes at a school because yeah. look, not everybody is lawyer material, not everybody's doctor material, not everybody's engineering material. There 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 are still people that want to work with their hands. They want to be a mechanic, or they want to be a you know they want to work with wood or or you know seamstress, or they want to cook. So I think they should bring back shop classes in. In schools, there's no shop class in, in our town anymore. I don't think so. They got the STEM labs. Then gym, under- you know, gym is disappearing. Music is disappearing. No, well, it's actually I, they music. I, I'm gonna say like my my fifth my middle daughter is going into sixth grade, and we've already received the letter. Hey, your daughter's going to sixth grade. She's got to pick whether she wants to do band, chorus, or band and chorus, and what instrument. So they still want to. I think they still want to keep the music, at least here in the town that we live in. Um, but yes, I, I agree. Uh, you know, as far as physical education, I think there still needs to be some type of physical education at school. Um, Should be running laps in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. I agree. Now more than ever, because if they're all doing it remotely. Yeah. Look, my, that's more... <laughs> I've made the joke multiple times that my kids are not only growing vertically, they're growing horizontally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's rough. I mean, uh, my kids have handled it pretty well because they're older, but if you have like a three-year-old and you were doing this right now, this was not easy with a three-year-old. No, this was not like, you know, I could trust that my son and daughter, are gonna? I go in my room and my my son is sitting at his desk and he's diligently working on his work. No, <laughs> absolutely not. My daughter is the same way, but I could see if they were three years old, that would be a huge problem. That would be a huge problem. So there's definitely parents that are struggling based on that. And listen, I I have a friend who works in um, Irvington, okay, and you know Irvington, right? So. Now imagine you're a teacher and you're home, you're, you're zooming these guys, right? So now he's gotten, he's got the life into these kids, right? Cause he sees into their houses. Now imagine how a kid in Irvington lives. Now, listen, my kid in Manalpin, they're living in a lap of luxury. My son sits in the back of the lazy boy, puts his feet in the, he sits in that lazy boy chair, puts his feet in the massager and then watches class on his iPad. Yeah. Like a fucking CEO. Okay. He's got a good life, but I'm pretty sure there's people, there's kids in Irvington whose mom and dad are cutting crack in the back and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Because when my friend is doing his Zoom class with 25 kids from Irvington and he mutes them and he does his lesson, then he unmutes them and all he hears is, he's now he's like, dude, I didn't realize what these kids' lives were like. Because he could see from being in there and these are kids who go to school to get a meal because their parents don't give it to them. These are kids that go to school to get out of an abusive home. Yep. So while I feel like a citizen of the world that it's like, we should lock it all down and make sure that our kids are protected. Yeah, maybe if you live in Camp Cupcake, but if you live outside <laughs> of the little fucking bubble of the little sphere of your little tiny world that you live in, you would realize that this shit is damaging people's lives on a level. Oh, 100%, I agree. Florida is 35th in the nation right now with COVID cases and they've been open the whole time for the last year. So. Clearly, there's no actual uh, real, you know, fact. And, and Florida has people coming in from all over the, the country. Florida is the most traveled state right now, according to the analytics. More, more people want to go to Florida than anywhere else in the country. According it's, to cr- the it's crazy. But that's a, so, uh, that's a topic for another day. Exactly. I think we've, uh, I think we've uh, nailed uh, helicopter parenting. I think we helicopter parenting and a bunch of other topics too. <laughs> yeah, I have fun. that was fun. a lot of topics. Fun though. So, so I have a dad lesson for today. Um, dad lesson for today is before walking out on a uh, frozen pond or lake, I want to make sure that it's actually frozen. It was a uh, life changing incident that happened uh, that occurred to me and my family today, and uh, rather scary. Uh, Dog went out on the pond, fell in the, there's a pup, fell in the pond and uh, tried getting out. The ice in front of him broke, went under. So my wife freaked out. I'm inside the house working. Then I hear all these kinds of uh, shrieks and yells and screams. I go to the window to see what's happening. And my wife is in the pond. Could she touch the bottom? 
I think she did because her hair wasn't wet, so she didn't go okay. under totally. So <laughs> I think she did. So I, I fly, I'm slip, did I have slippers on? I don't even know. Flew out the front door, right? And I get to the pond and I'm laying on my belly like I'm swimming, swimming on top of the ice trying to get to her. So I finally reach her and someone was holding on to my leg. I was pulling her in, but then someone else decided they wanted to walk on the ice as well. So they, no, they did not. Yeah. So they stood next to me. And wow. so I, I go in, the person next to me goes in and I got my wife in my arms and then she goes in as well. But by that time it was about, you know, 18 inches, 24 inches deep, but yeah, don't go on the pond, especially when it's been above freezing for a week. That yeah. is the dad lesson for today. Yeah, uh, but it's a good I, one. Yes. But I think that wraps it up, John. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for your uh, knowledge about helicopter parenting and, <laughs> and how you raise your kids. Uh, it was a very interesting episode. Yeah, I agree. Appreciate I have, it. And love to have you on again. Oh, my pleasure. I would love to come back on. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks, man. Good to Cheers. see you. Take care. Peace. And now a word from our sponsor, Amster's Prospect Tavern. In Baldwick, family owned and operated since 1926. And actually the building says 1927 because I was told by Norm that the Masons who built the building couldn't make a six, so they made a seven. And if you think about it, if back in 1926, trying to make a six out of out of brick, that's a little yeah. difficult. So anyway, Amps Prospect Tavern is truly the place where everyone knows your name and not just because it's run by the owner, Norm. Norm is a great guy. Uh, they have a real family and hometown vibe with excellent pub grub like their famous mozzarella bites or cheesesteak egg rolls, both which are handmade right in their kitchen. Deb, you are awesome. <laughs> if you're not in the mood for pub grub, you can try their excellent selection of upscale weekly specials offered Thursday through Saturday, like veal also buco, slow cooked short ribs, filet mignon and lobster tail, just to name a few. Um, they take pride in serving excellent food and making their customers feel at home when they are at Amsters. So if you are in the Bergen County area, I highly recommend you check out Amsters. All right. And welcome back, Rad Dads. As promised, every week we have a bourbon review. Today we are reviewing Old Pogue. Pogue or Pogue? How do you pronounce it? Pogue. Pogue. Old Pogue Masters Select. It's delicious. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Alcohol classification, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, distillery is the Old Pogue Distillery. Old Pogue. Pogue. Mm -hmm. Pogue. Uh, age is unknown. Proof, 91 proof, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't know. Uh, filtration is unknown. Batch size is small batch. Mash bill is unknown. Awards, I didn't see any on their website. Uh, color, I'm going to say that is a light amber or a medium amber. I, I don't know. My, I'm looking at the bottle. My glass is empty. <laughs> that right there, medium light. Okay, li do you want some more? No, I'm good. Thanks. Right. Light to medium <laughs> amber. I'm on my third glass. <laughs> so price point, you agree? Light to medium amber? Yeah. Uh, price point, uh, $99 to $119, depending on where you are located. Little history on Old Pogue. Uh, old Pogue was Pogue. Old Pogue. We went fucking Pogue or Pogue? Pogue. <laughs> old Pogue was the flagship product of the original H.E. Pogue distillery in 1876 and is also the first product released by the modern Pogue distillery. The product was fashioned after an original bottled of old Pogue that remained in the family for over a century. That's pretty interesting. Uh, so no nose and aroma, vanilla, cinnamon, and with the third glass, the dry the glass. glass or the dry glass? <laughs> well, I guess that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, the dry glass. I, I get the oak undertones, the dry glass. Here it is. I was sipping here. <laughs> Stick your schnoz in that. Um, take, is there cinnamon? Yes. Did you get cinnamon? I did. Vanilla, cinnamon, and oak undertone. I get cinnamon. 
I feel like that comes out more with the dry glass method. Yes, it, when it's when you have a uh, two finger pour, I don't necessarily get the cinnamon. Uh, tasting notes, uh, as always, we taste the bourbon neat. Uh, I get the vanilla and caramel or caramel finish, smooth, Delicious. slight, slight, slight burn, um, very, very subtle. Overall, it's an easy sipper, as I always say, not complex at all. I, I really enjoyed this bottle. Um, Robbie, good thing you bought it for me for yes, my birthday. Yes. You want to give uh, your uh, nose aroma tastings and finish before I give my ranking, or would you like me to give the ranking? No, I already know my ranking, so I, we could talk about uh, nose. I'm, I'm definitely smelling the cinnamon, uh, but again, like Sal was saying, we're on um, – Third glass, we had a, a very long interview with, with John. So I smelled the cinnamon. I smelled the oak before. I didn't really get the vanilla. Um, tasting is, is definitely smooth. It's um, a sweeter bourbon. It's only 91 proof. So it's kind of on, on the milder side. I definitely, definitely have, I feel the burn on your tongue, but it doesn't really translate down to your Chest. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not, it's, yes. It's not like one of those that like burns all the way down. So I, d I definitely enjoy it. Um, overall, definitely an easy sipper, simple sipper. Um, I'm going straight up. This is, this is definitely one of my favorites. I will say, and I mean, Sal, we're talking our rankings before. I think taste and aroma, I, I thoroughly enjoy. And if you go by my ranking, what I've done in the past is I'd give it the full three for each of those. So that's six. I'll give it the bonus uh, half, which is uh, six and a half. And then I'll give it a one for price because I feel like it's a little bit on the higher end. So in total, it is a seven, five barrel. So you give it a six and a half other than price other than price and this is a favorite if if it Damn. was on, but if it was if it was priced at like a 50 dollar price point it'd be like a 10 out like like it, 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 it it's is higher end yes, right it's it, a it hundred dollar bottle it is on the higher end um and it is a delicious bourbon um but i i'm gonna have to give it an 8-0 man I mean that that was my initial, and so I started think, overthinking it. I'm giving it an eight barrel. There you go. It is uh, it is a very good bourbon, uh, easy sipper, smooth. Uh, I and honestly, it. if you're okay paying the hundred dollars, it's probably a nine for for me. Um, but I have to I have to keep the fans happy, and I have to consider all twenty fans we have. But I, to be honest, it's we went up from three last year. So it's yeah, we had 19 and a half. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an improvement, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying like if price isn't a, it doesn't matter to you. I would suggest putting this on your shelf. If price matters, go with the Mictors, go with the Mictors or go with some of the other stuff that, that we've reviewed that we reviewed. Yeah. At a lower price point. That's it. That's the end of our segment or show or episode. I wonder how you want to call it. Thanks for listening in. And follow us on your social media. Oh, and by the way, we're on Clubhouse. We are on Clubhouse. That's huge. TG3, you the man. 